Hi, welcome back for another episode for the Beauteous Me podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in each and every week as each and every week we have awesome and amazing guests. And this week we'll be talking about health and well-being. You know, we've talked a lot about traumas. We've talked a lot about working within yourself, um, finding that job, letting go of fear. We talked in Mental Health Awareness Month for the month of May on so many things. But what about our health and well-being? So what better way to talk about about it then with Dr. Lindsay Elmore. Dr. Lindsay Elmore is a speaker, author, podcast host, and world-renowned wellness expert. She translates complicated science into understandable stories and travels the world educating audiences about natural wellness. Dr. Elmore has spoken to audiences on five continents and more than 30 countries. Her educational materials have been translated into more than 25 languages. She is the author of Essentials, 75 Answers to Common Questions about Essential Oils and Supplements, and the Clean Slate Cleanse Cookbook and Workbook Series. She is published in a wide variety of pharmacy and medical journals and has been quoted in Bustle, Elite Daily, Reader's Digest, Yahoo News, Parade, MSN, Britain Co., Business Insider, and more. She has been featured on news segments as well as NBC, ABC, CBS, Fox, CW, and The Buzz Daily. Dr. Elmore reaches millions on her social media. Her Facebook content reaches more than 85 countries, and more than 15 million minutes of education have been watched on Facebook alone. Guys, she has her own podcast as well, so I hope you tune in on health and well-being, uh, where she launched, which is called The Lindsay Elmore Show. So tune in. Thank you so much, Dr. Lindsay, for being here with us and for taking this time during this pandemic, because we're both in New York, we're both New Yorkers, <laughs> to talk about health and well-being, which I think is an important topic because especially with everything that's going on in the news um, around the world with this pandemic, stressors, the increase in stress, the increase in mental health, we tend to forget about our health and well-being because we're so stressed, 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 stressed. So can you tell us a little bit about your work and kind of what led you into this path? I tore my ACL back when I was in pharmacy school and it set me on a path that was really eye-opening. So when you tear your ACL, you get placed in a brace that locks your knee out straight. And so when you, it's not painful or anything, but it's just intended to stabilize the joint. And so because you can't bend your knee, you can't walk effectively. Every single time that you walk, you have to hike your hip up. And so Mm -hmm. one day I was studying because I was in pharmacy school and I realized that I couldn't sit on both of my sitting bones and that my hip was way up high. I didn't know what had happened and I was really experiencing some pain. And thankfully I had great insurance that covered chiropractic care. And so I go to the chiropractor for the first time and she's like, whoa, your hip is like two inches higher on one side than the other. So she gets me back into alignment and I happened to mention to her, I'm really struggling with insomnia. I have not really slept effectively in uh, over a month and it's really taking a toll on my mental health. And she said, oh, you should go see the acupuncturist. And so then I go to the acupuncturist for the first time and I 
realize that there are totally different concepts of health and wellness out there beyond what I was being taught in pharmacy school. Well, so I can then, imagine. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there's Western medicine is so dogmatic in saying there's this one approach and that's all there is and that's all you can have. And when I realized that Chinese medicine had a completely different viewpoint on what is health, how do we um, take care of ourselves, how do we heal? things and have the knowing that the body always wants to be healthy. The body is yearning to be healthy. So I started learning about Chinese medicine. I started learning about herbs and supplements and even searching out shamanic medicine and energy medicine and just really was like, okay, I just want to learn everything that there is about these different concepts of health. And I became that kind of wacky pharmacist who people <laughs> knew that they could come to me and be like, you know, they could come to me and I would know just as much about supplements and about vitamins and minerals and what deficiencies people have as I did about medications. And mm it set me on a path to really shift my perspective on what is health, what is wellness, and how do we foster it within all people. And I have been studying and researching and really trying to put actual science behind natural remedies because so many people are like, oh, psh homeopathy, it never works for anything. But yet you have all these people screaming over here in the corner that like, no, no, homeopathy is amazing for me. Same mm -hmm. with essential oils, same with supplements, you know, and I think it's even more pronounced right now when everyone is trying to figure out how do I optimally support my immune system and ensure that I am have adequate defenses against getting infections. And as you mentioned, the heightened stress of this moment is very profound and mm -hmm. people are experiencing struggles with mental health as well as their physical health. And part of that is because stress completely hijacks the immune system. Completely. And so <laughs> completely, you know, it, it, it stress causes us to break down on every single level. So when we experience stress, our heart rate and our blood pressure increases. Well, that increases the risk of hypertension. We have the impact of stress on our immune system. So steroids that are produced when we're under stress reduce our ability to fight off infections. And it's not just infections that are respiratory. It's infections on the skin. It's infections in the gut. It's infections everywhere. Stress also disturbs our digestive system. And mm -hmm. this means that we have an increased risk of, of ulcers. We're not absorbing adequate nutrition from our food. And so one of the most amazing things that we can do is to really manage our stress response, especially if we've been under stress long term, because Long-term stress is like the number one thing that suppresses our immune system. How do we manage our stress? 
couple of ways that I really love to manage stress are with meditation and yoga. And so when you are a long-term meditator, where you really spend a few moments a day in meditation, it shrinks the size of your brain called the amygdala. And the amygdala is the fight or flight response in our brain. The amygdala says, oh my gosh, we have to run away from this scary thing. So with meditation, we can shrink the size of the amygdala. We can also expand the size of our cortex and our, specifically the gray matter within our cortex. And what that means is we have an increased resilience to stress. So even when stressors occur, we can look at it more rationally and it prevents us from going into those deep cycles of stress. Yoga is powerful because when you coordinate movements with the intentional breath, that's going to help to decrease blood pressure. That's going to help to reduce your physiologic response to stress. Because stress is mental, but stress Mm -hmm. is also physiological. And so when we have um, stressors in our lives, our brain responds to it, but our respiratory rate increases, our blood pressure increases, our ability to tap down that stress response is limited. And so yoga helps to even out the physiological response. And meditation helps to even out the mental response. Mm. So I know that you also um, promote essential oils in your articles and everything. Do you also feel that essential oils? I mean, I know I use essential oils. Um, Lavender for me is just, I, I need it at night and before so interesting with lavender. When I was pregnant with my son, I hated the smell. Like that was just Mm -hmm. one scent that I couldn't stand. Even after I gave birth to him and you know, you have the lavender baby lotion. I couldn't stand it. I just always felt nauseated. And it took years, like it took years to reprogram my brain that lavender was calming. Lavender was helping. And now before I go to bed, I have an essential oil spray. I have to spray my bed sheets (laughs) in order to have like that calming effect. And so when people are experiencing stress and yoga and meditation is helpful, um, do you also feel that um, essential oils are helpful? So essential oils can be powerfully helpful when you are under stress. And that is because remember that part of the brain that I mentioned that amygdala, mm-hmm. the amygdala is one brain structure within what is called the limbic system. So the limbic system is an ancient portion of our brain that governs our emotional responses, our our long and short-term memories. And it also programs our conscious experience of emotions. The thing about the limbic system is it does not speak words. It does not understand language. The only way that you can communicate with your limbic system is with the sense of smell. Mm. And so it, so the old fact, the way that the sense of smell works is that there are odor molecules floating around in the atmosphere, good ones, bad ones, all the, all the scents that are around us. 
when those odorant molecules hit the tiny hairs in our brains, not the big hairs that we, in our brains, excuse me, in our nose, mm -hmm. not the big hairs that we see at the base of our nose, those are filtration devices that prevent us from inhaling debris and such. But further up in the nose, there are tiny, tiny hairs known as cilia. Mm -hmm. And these cilia start to vibrate in response to the odor molecule. That mm -hmm. vibration then gets transmitted across the base of the skull in what's called the cribriform plate. And it begins to package all this scent information as if you were braiding information together. That then goes to a receptor cell that then projects axons into your olfactory bulb. So the olfactory bulb is a piece of brain tissue that kind of reaches out from the base of your brain and it is right at the very base of your skull. So as soon as you cross the skull on the cribriform plate, you begin to hit that olfactory bulb. Mm -hmm. All that scent information gets packaged up in, in boxes. It, it coalesces all together in um, glomeruli. And those glomeruli then send axons into your limbic system. And so the way I explain this is if you want to understand what your limbic system does that is distinctly different than what your cortex does, your cortex is the part of your brain that understands spreadsheets and words and language. It's how we communicate with each other. But if you try to explain why did you marry the person that you married? Why are you in a relationship with the person that you have chosen to partner up with? Mm -hmm. It's really difficult to explain. You know, I hear people say all the time, oh, well, you know, my husband is, um, he's a great father. He um, has a great job. He dresses well. He, you know, he's not an alcoholic. He surface doesn't things. use me. All those surface things. Mm -hmm. But when you get really down to it, there are literally millions of men who meet that exact same description. Mm -hmm. You chose your partner because of something inexplicable. It's inexplicable. And in Germany, they have a phrase that if you don't like the way that your partner smells, you're not going to be with them long term. <laughs> so, and that is because the sense of smell also communicates with our um, hypothalamus inside the limbic system. And the hypothalamus is like the beginning of testosterones and estrogens and, and dopamine and all of those amazing hormones that you feel when you're in love, the oxytocins, the, all the things. But the only way to communicate with it is through the sense of smell. So whether you're choosing lavender or rose or cedar wood or vetiver. There are so many amazing essential oils that can help to tap down the stress response. Bergamot's one of my absolute favorites, Roman chamomile, jasmine, melissa, all of these essential oils 
not only can communicate to the stress and fear center of your brain, mm-hmm. but when you use an essential oil, what do you do? You take a deep breath. Yes. You take a deep breath and that enhances that meditative energy that those benefits that we're getting from, from coordinating breath and motion. And so using essential oils as a part of your daily routine can really help you to modify your stress response and prevent you from going into cycles of stress that eventually are just going to break down your whole body. That is so interesting. That is really interesting. I know I have a few different essential oils, but I didn't know like the rose. I didn't know that cedar wood was also good for um, stress, bergamot, which are some of the few that I have. So that's, that's really interesting. You know, I'm just sitting here like, Oh, I'm going to play around with some scents today. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Cause I'll usually use like the orange one in the morning so I can wake up. And so I've been slowly reading about it and, um, really tapping into it, but it's well, and that's what you said is, is super interesting because essential oils are not only there to calm you down. Mm-hmm. There's, there's peppermint and orange and lemon and rosemary. Those essential oils are there to help focus you and to wake you up and to, you know, so essential oils can have a lot of different emotional impacts to them. It's not just about, okay, I'm going to calm down and relax. Right. <laughs> oil here in my office is like, okay, I got to work now. Right. So I got to focus. <laughs> I got to focus. Absolutely. So Dr. Lindsay, I was on your website and I subscribed to one of your free guides. And one of your guides is your powerful choice guide on your website it was really, really interesting. I love the seven steps, but the one that stood out for me was step four when you have to listen to your body. And it says, I contend that when you take the time to listen to the messages that your body is sending, you create the conscious capacity to make even better decisions. Let's talk about that. That, For some reason, that stood out for me that it's almost as if you're practicing mindfulness when you're paying attention to what you're feeling, what you're thinking, what you're doing. What is it that I'm feeling? Why do I feel this way? Um, and, And saying that was just how we ignore our bodies, that we respond quickly to things that are happening right in front of us, like fight, flight, or freeze, right? Especially, you know, people who have experienced trauma and what your body is like in honed into and what they're used to responding to. But if you listen to your body and you stop and you sit there and you think, is this safe? Is it not safe? Am I safe? What is it? What is the story that my feeling is telling me? And I think that for me, that's why it stood out, um, especially in, in doing a lot of work with children who experience trauma, families, women, you know, and personal traumas that it kind of stood out and that we have to kind of listen, tune into mm-hmm. our body. So tell us about that guide. And um, that was just one of them that stood out for me the most, but they're all those seven steps were super amazing. So tell Thank us a little you. bit about it. So I think one of the things that is completely broken with the Western medicine model is the fact that we rely on someone else to tell us how to stay healthy. Mm -hmm. That should not be the case. Um, We should have our power to say, I don't know if that drug is the right drug for me. Or, you know, I don't know that I want to go on this crazy fasting diet that is going to be stressful for me. We need to get to a point 
where we trust our own intuition. I mean, there is a reason that people with mental health disorders tend to have gastrointestinal disorders. More of your serotonin is made in your gut than it is in your brain. Mm. And that is because there's a reason that we say, I just have a gut feeling. And that is because our gut is a powerful emotional center for us. So John Maxwell says, because a lot of people are like, oh, I don't want to meditate because I, you know, I pray instead. And I've heard a lot of very, um, very religious people say this, but John Maxwell summed it up so well. He said, prayer is talking to God meditation is listening for the answers. Mm, I love that. Yes, yes. Yes. There's a difference. And I think people have to kind of separate that. And it doesn't matter. I mean, if people who are super religious, they want to tune in and say, no, meditation is different. No, it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. Jesus meditated. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, so and thank so you for saying that. I So I absolutely, when I heard him say that, I was just like, Wow. Um, And so when we can turn inward and listen for the answer, you can ask and pray. So ask, like, lead me in the light to my highest and greatest self and my highest and greatest good. But then eventually you have to listen for the answer. You have to listen. And I think right now is a time where a lot of people are reconsidering the lives that they lived before um, before all of this started. And one of the reasons, I mean, people are questioning, do I still want to live where I live? Um I I hope and pray to any of the listeners out there that are victims of the increased risk of domestic violence that we're seeing, increased risk of child abuse. Now is your moment. Do you really want to continue this? You know, now is a moment for us all to reconsider. Am I really living my life in my highest and greatest good? Because God, universe, Jesus, Buddha, Allah, whatever you call it, Mm -hmm. wants you to live your best life. And the only way that we can do that is by turning inward and listening to ourselves. You know, I mean, I've, I've heard people say like, I just don't know about this guy. I don't know if I want to be with him anymore. It's like, well, what does your gut say? Like, Ooh, you know, your conscious brain may say, well, I need to stay because of this or because of that. But if your gut is telling you no, it's as, as the queen Oprah Winfrey says, you if you do not intentionally choose to live your most authentic life, you will suffer long-term. You have to be who you are and you have to be that way unapologetically. And you have to understand that not everybody's going to like you, but if you spend your life trying to make everybody like you, who are you? Who do you want to be? Um, what, you know, so listen 
to your gut because your body doesn't lie to you. Your body does not lie. If you know you're supposed to break off a relationship somewhere in your body and you let your brain just keep telling you, no, I'll stay, no, I'll stay, you're screwed. You know, you're totally screwed. So listening for those answers gives you your power back. You do not have to rely on someone else. You don't have to call up that girlfriend and be like, oh, should I leave this guy? You don't have to. You don't have to take medications that you know are not doing you well. You don't have to be, you don't have to live places where you don't want to live anymore. You don't have to do those things when you turn in and say, my ultimate voice that I hear inside of me, that still small voice that's Mm -hmm. inside of you, that is, that is God or whatever you call it, talking to you. And it's our job to listen. It's our job to listen. Yes. So just to give um, the audience just some of the different steps you have, um, you have begin with the end in mind. Mm-hmm. Stephen have, Covey's advice. Yeah. <laughs> Stop the information overload. Oh, you're preaching to me because I am Miss Google Queen. <laughs> uh-huh. and especially I- right now, it is an infodemic. Oh, that is, we yeah. are in the middle of an information overload and it's really hard to know who to believe. So yes, just stop, stop, stop with the Google searches. (laughs) Stop yelling at me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Then you have, if at first you don't succeed, try and try again, listen to your body, which was the one that really stood out. Um, Then we have recognized the two realms of your brain. Yes. The limbic system and the cortex. Yes. Then we talk about decide then stop the shame. And then, you know, we talk about now what, and you did it. So this is, this guide is super cool, super intense. And I really suggest that everyone go on her website to get it. Um, so can you give the listeners three ways that we can heal patterns that hold us back? Um, I think that number one, is calling the emotion by a name. You know, like, how do you actually feel? Like, how do you actually feel? If you're angry, say you're angry. If you're frustrated, say you're frustrated. I I remember my, my friend's daughter, she was two years old and she comes storming into the kitchen and she just, and she goes and she, and she's visibly shaking. And her mom's like, what's going on kid? And she goes, I am not okay. And it was like, Okay, that's a great place to start. You know, if you are feeling that I am not okay, can you call it by a name? Because the way that we talk to ourselves is critically important. And for every negative emotion, there is an equal and opposite positive Mm -hmm. emotion. So if you can transform your language, so instead of being anxious, you're excited. Instead of being nervous, you are ready. Um, That I think is critically important. And I also think, you know, you mentioned two of my, two of my steps I think are so critical. And that is, you know, if you don't, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again, fail forward. I love that. Let every failure make you better the next day. 
Visualization exercises were really important to me. So full disclosure, back in the day, I was so consumed with anger that I could barely carry on a conversation with someone. And it was anger from built up tension throughout my childhood of, you know, being pissed off that my parents got divorced. And I have, I'm an Enneagram type eight. I don't know if you talk about Enneagram much on your show, but I love personality tests and Enneagrams is one of the best of them. So I'm a type eight, which means I'm a challenger. You know, anytime you tell me you can't do it, I say, watch me. (laughs) So I had so many challenging situations growing up that instead of me realizing, wow, that's actually my superpower is that I meet challenges head on. I just built up anger. I built up so much anger and eventually it manifests in me going to a job interview and not getting the job because they said that I was rigid and inflexible. Wow. And right. Harsh, harsh feedback at a job, um, at a job interview. And so I decided in that moment, you know what? I cannot allow my years and years and years of education and all of that to go to the wayside simply because I haven't dealt with my emotional garbage. Mm. And so I started going to therapy, um, huge advocate of therapy, been going my whole life um, from the time I went to help me process my parents' divorce. I went because I had bulimia as a child. I went because I didn't want to lose out on job opportunities. Um, my partner and I now, we just show up at the therapist just to, you know, hang out and check <laughs> in with each other these days. And so it is, it's a powerful tool. And one of the exercises that I was given during this round of therapy was visualizations. And so like, if you are feeling angry or tense or goodness knows I've been feeling a whole bunch of disbelief um, in the past few weeks. And especially in the past few days, when you're just seeing terrible depictions on the news of what is happening around America and it's terrifying. Um, And so if you're feeling terror, can you put that in your body? Like, where do I feel terrified? Where am I feeling that? What does that terror look like inside of me? What does that disbelief look like? And this can help you to actually untangle some of those emotions. Choose a different word. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're feeling, if you're feeling terror at the moment, what if you felt safe? And what if you went to that place in your body where you're feeling that disbelief and replaced it with trust? You know, how do we shift the way that we talk to ourselves in order to create an emotional shift? I also love combining essential oils with this whole process. So I am certified in something called the aroma freedom technique, Mm -hmm. which is this exact thing. Identify your negative emotion, drift back in your memory to another time when you felt that emotion, 
inhale the essential oils, go back to that tiny frightened child who witnessed something terrible early on in life and know that that person is still within you, that they are valid, that they have value and that the emotions that they experienced then were real, no matter what somebody told you about how you are supposed to process your emotions. And then actively aim to replace it with the, again, it's equal and opposite positive emotions. Instead of being depressed, be calm. Instead of being sad, be relaxed. You can transform the way that you talk to yourself and allow that to drive you forward. And then once you make a decision, just go with it. If you look back in three years and you realize like, yikes, that was a wrong decision. <laughs> okay. You be know, okay with it. Be okay with it. And so stop the shame. Stop. I mean, goodness knows the shaming that is going on right now is profound. You know, you're not, you're not doing this appropriately. You're doing it too much. We should, we have, you know, you would think that having sort of an invisible common enemy would bring us together. This is not a time when we should be fighting with each other. And it is not a time that people should be experiencing increases in brutality. This is a time that we should all be like, we should actually be in this together. And it is so sad and disheartening that for some reason, we're not. And so I know for my mental health, I have done a few things. You know, I, I've taken Facebook off my phone. I, I don't watch the news. I used to get up every morning and, and listen to about 15 minutes worth of news. And now I'm like, nope, I don't even want to hear it. I don't want to hear it because I know in my heart of hearts what I know to be true. And I don't need other people's opinions about it. And I won't be shamed for what I am choosing in this time, because if I don't choose what I know is authentic for me, I, I'm, my mental health is going to suffer. And that is what I have decided. And so we need to stop shaming one another and we need to stop shaming ourselves when we make bad decisions because everybody makes bad decisions. We're human. Yeah, we are. All we can do is go out into the world every day. And, you know, yesterday I taught a yoga class um, and I was teaching the principles of karmic yoga. So everybody talks about karma, about like, oh, what goes around comes around. If you're a good person, good things will happen. And if you're a bad person, bad things will happen. That is not true, unfortunately. Karma is about going out into the world and giving love and kindness and acceptance and all of the things with no expectation of it ever coming back to you. Mm. That is true karma. And if I can do that, I win. I win no matter how many social media followers I have, no matter who unsubscribes from my email list, no matter who hates my podcast and gives me one-star reviews. I know that I can go out into the world and show love and work on my own ability to not expect it to come back 
to me. That is true karma. That is so interesting because we do hear the opposite of it. And so by you bringing that into full circle, and I also thank you just for bringing up what's going on right now in this world with the increase in in brutality. And I was having a conversation with uh, someone else before we started recording. um, And she was, she, she had mentioned, she said, um, I'm white and I'm privileged and I know I'm privileged. um, But I know that some of us don't know what to say. Because we're afraid we're going to say the wrong thing. And what I told her, I said, on behalf of, you know, all people of color, it's okay to say, I don't know what to say, but I stand with you because that is more impacting and saying that as opposed to trying to finagle, say the right thing, figure out if you're doing it or doing too much that it's not authentic. What is authentic is saying exactly that. I don't know what to say, but I stand with you. And so I think it's important that we take care of each other and that we acknowledge this. And, you know, and just like you said, you, you don't care what other people think or say about you. This is who you are and who you're being true to yourself and us not being true to ourselves is where we're, we're sitting in the stresses where it's affecting our health and well being. And so um, with everything that's going on, it, it, and you saying disconnecting sometimes is really important. And I agree because I know that this week I've been angry. I've been just so angry and rightfully so, you know, rightfully so. Um, but I'm also knowing that I'm not showing up well at work because I'm angry and I'm on edge and I'm just like, if you say something, you know, I might just snap. And so I know how I have to just kind of disconnect. And I saw myself this morning on social media, just looking at videos and videos and videos. And I'm just like, Jamili, stop because it's, it's impacting you and how you're showing up and how you're feeling. Yeah. I mean, listen, I live in Harlem and I am white, but my partner is a black Latino. And he just came to me yesterday and was like, I just feel like calling in black. I just want to like call in black. And I ended up doing a post about it because I don't, I don't talk about issues of race much, Mm -hmm. but there is a moment where you have to go. If I don't say something about this, I'm complicit in it. I'm complicit in it. And Kate Hudson, you know, another white woman did a brilliant post about I have privilege as a white person because I can do all of these things without thinking twice. And she said, I can go jogging, hashtag Ahmaud Aubrey. You know, I can go birding, hashtag Christian Cooper and calling out people by their names, you know, so I can I as a white person can get arrested in America without the risk of being murdered. Hashtag George Floyd. I mean, it is ridiculous. And Will Smith on, on his, on his feed said, you know, violence against black people is not increasing. It's just being better documented. And, (laughs) and that is something that's been really tough for me. Um, You know, I, I told my preacher of the church that I grew up in, I, the thing about this moment in history that has been so challenging for me is I honestly thought, you know, I I think I was a little bit naive and just thought in general, people are really, really good people and everybody really, really wants to do (laughs) their best and everybody really, really wants to treat people fairly and, you know, we actually do want to distribute wealth so that poor people get a leg up in the world. 
this whole situation is throwing that straight out the window for me. Oh, and, I just said, <laughs> and I just said, no, no, there's real evil in this world. And there are real people who don't want to see people succeed. And that was a painful thing for me to take in. And I called one of my spiritual advisors and I just cried and cried and cried because the people that will suffer the most are children. Yeah. You know, I mean, I saw a girl, I saw a, a, a young lady here in Harlem and she was like, yeah, right. I'm going to distance learn from my 10th grade education. She's like, I don't have a computer at home and I can't afford a computer. Studies have shown that less than that at least in poor neighborhoods, only four out of 10 children are showing up to their online distance learning. Yeah. And that is painful because everyone deserves education. And without education, education is the most powerful weapon that we can have. And it is so unfortunate to see that the rich are getting richer, the poor are getting poor, and the same underprivileged black and brown people are taking the brunt of it yet again. It has been painful to watch for oh, me. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it's, it, it's just unfortunate because I feel like we get to a good phase where we're just like, oh, there's some hope. And then the wound doesn't even heal. The wound right. doesn't heal. The wound no. doesn't heal from Ahmad and Brianna. And then, you know, Amy Cooper, I call her uh, Central Park Becky, you know, just it, it really kind of <laughs> doggy Becky. It's like you just you're, you're doing this without understanding. And I think it, it, it was so poignant that you're talking to this bird watcher who's a Harvard graduate. So, you, yes. you know, you. It, it, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what school you went to, your education, you could be a doctor, lawyer, prestige, come from an affluent family, have money. At the end of the day, you're looked upon differently because that's how you were raised and that's what's engraved in you. And you haven't done that healing work to kind of let go of what's been rooted, deep rooted in you. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I, I say that to say that it's important that we're having this discussion and it's important that we are taking care of our health and well-being um, with regards to it, because we have to be able to know how do we show up to take action, but show up authentically and in a healthy way. Absolutely. Absolutely. We all, we need to be having this discussion, you know, I mean, the whole, like, we're in a post-racist society. Like, yeah, that's cute. No, we're not. That's so cute. That's cute that you think that. Right. Um, and I mean, you can see it. I mean, look at, look at even the incidence of death from, from coronavirus. You can look neighborhood by neighborhood in New York City and the poorer it is, the more dejected it is, the more likely you are to die. There's absolutely no reason why that should be the case. There's no reason why that is fair or meaningful or that should not be the case. And we have to talk about these things because the the more that we refuse to discuss racism, classism, sexism, all the things, you're never going to make it. You're never going to make progress and you're never going to be able to go out into the world and give love and kindness in the best way that you possibly can until you realize yep. that 
privilege is a thing. I love the video. I don't know if your listeners have seen it of like, hey guys, we're going to have a race and whoever crosses the finish yeah. line, the, first. The, the whatever, and whatever school that was. And he just went through every question and every question and every question. And he's just like, at the end of the day, you're still ahead of the race. Yeah, that I know. Of, and it's around a few times, but I think now you know it res resurfaced. But it's just like, yeah, this is this is where you've had the advantage as opposed to the others, and that yeah. was impacting. It right. was a great, great video. Yeah. Well, and you know the and and it's not just the health consequences that are mm -hmm. a problem right now. Look at the demographics of who got payroll protection program funds. Oh yeah. Look at the demographics. Like yeah. if you are black, brown or yellow, you were infinitely less um, eligible for these funds that are supposed to be to protect Americans. And yeah. that's unfair. And we, yeah, my, hu my husband didn't get in. He, my husband is African American and he has, he owns his own business and he didn't get it. And you I know? did. Why? Yeah. Why? Right. Right. And it, makes no sense. It makes right. absolutely no sense. Yeah. So, so Dr. Lindsay, what are some things that you can kind of leave our listeners? Um, I think that your listeners need to know that they are loved, that they are beautiful exactly the way that they are, that everyone in this universe has power and value the capacity to love one another on a deep, deep level. And that natural medicine is not crap. Don't let anybody convince you. That's been a super frustrating thing with this whole thing is everybody's like, nothing works. And I'm oh, like, yeah. Okay. Let me tell yeah. you what my Dominican mama had me make. Uh, what is it? Um, oh my God. I, I said in Spanish, rabano, which is radish, radish, onion, uh -huh. lemon, honey, garlic. And she's like, you need to mix that up and drink it every single day to boost up your immune system. Why did yeah. I be told by me? It's that's how I grew up. I grew up with natural teas, natural medicines, natural things for aches because my my grandmother was like a healer, if you will, in the community. And oh, so beautiful. everything was all natural. I had an uncle, he he sold freaking um Viagra, but the <laughs> natural Viagra drink is oh, yeah. in our country. So it's like, oh, yeah. you know, I come from a long line of just family members that this is where it goes. And I'm glad that you're saying that at as a thyroid cancer survivor and having to be on level thyroxine, I'm like, damn, I'm on this medicine for the rest of my life. I wish there was something natural that I didn't have to have all yeah. of this, you know? Well, I mean, you could use the, um, I mean, it, it depends on what your eating principles are, um, but there is a natural option that is basically just desiccated thyroid from um, pigs or Oh, yes, cows. yes, yes. I tried to so, tell my doctor about that, so. The armor thyroid, you can yeah. totally, totally give that a go. And the other thing is, I feel like there is so much shame in the natural wellness community. And so if you are someone who has had thyroid cancer and is on levothyroxine for life, that doesn't make you a failure. It does not make you a bad person. You are not a bad person if you get breast cancer and decide to take chemotherapy. Everything is about balance and right. listening internally and really trying to find what is that ultimate answer that lies within me. Yes. 
Dr. Lindsay, we had such an amazing conversation. I'm so grateful. I know we were supposed to do this in person, but here goes COVID, you know, ruining. There we go. (laughs) But I thank you for spending this time with me, with our listeners. And I'm just so super excited to stay connected. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on the show. Thank you.